Welcome to Guru Please, the show about pushing the limits of life and stepping up to live with more meaning, more purpose, and more passion. I'm your host, Jessica Sun. I'd like to introduce Jonathan Pritchard. Jonathan is a mentalist, speaker, consultant, and author of Think Like a Mind Reader. His personal philosophy is that the better we understand psychology and why people do what they do, the more effective we can be at making the world a better place. Welcome to the show, Jonathan. Hey, hey, glad to be here. So I'm really, really curious about your mentalism work, the the magic part of it, because I think a lot of it is creating that illusion and then part of mm-hmm. it is psychology. Yes. So can you walk us through kind of your secrets uh, behind it, behind mentalism. <laughs> you got it. I will. I will reveal as much as your mortal mind will allow you to understand. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. The the broad strokes is I am a type of magician that has specialized in mind reading tricks. So let's see like Siegfried and Roy and Vegas headliners and big illusionists are doing tricks with tigers and boxes and people. I'm just doing tricks with information. That's all it is. I don't claim to have supernatural powers. I don't have the gift from my grandma. It's nothing like that. It's all just applied psychology, showmanship, and having the gumption to pull it off in front of an audience of 3,000 live, intelligent human beings and convincing them that I can read minds, predict the future, influence choices, the the whole nine yards. And again, it's just all a skill that I've honed over a lifetime. And it's helped me go from living dirt poor to traveling the world. And I've eventually figured, you know, I want to help people kind of make a better life beyond what I could do on stage, right? I I could help them forget their problems for an hour, but then they just go right back to their problems. (laughs) So that's, that's why I, I really kind of found a calling to help share the way that I think and the, the ways that I've gotten to do what I've gotten to do so that other people can kind of use the same strategies. And, and as soon as I started sharing the secrets, uh, my life got so much better and it just feels good knowing that I'm living the life I want to live by helping other people do what they want to do. So it's just kind of the, the best thing ever. Yeah, it really does sound like it. I mean, you started doing magic pretty young mm-hmm. and that's kind of what you just always pictured for yourself and you've made it come true. So tell me about, I don't know, one of those tricks where you can just like name off a bunch of numbers and nobody knows how you how you got it. Yeah, everything that I do really boils down to I am doing things either with my words or physical actions, my timing, everything is communicating something to the audience Mm -hmm. that they are taking to mean something that's not real. And, Mm -hmm. And that is 
as direct and honest an answer as I could give you, but it's really difficult to appreciate, right? Like, what, what in the world is he talking about? So imagine for a second that we're talking about making those tigers show up. Mm-hmm. And if I show the box empty and the audience goes, oh, look, the, the box is empty. Okay, that's neat. And then whisk the cloth off and voila, there's a tiger. It's reasonable for the audience to believe that there is no tiger in the box because they just saw it empty. They just told themselves, oh, it's empty, without even being aware that that was a conversation they were having with themselves. And it's logical to believe that, okay, the, the cage is empty. Well, it may not be. There might be a tricky bottom. There might be a tricky back. Who knows, right? So it's all about helping the audience believe things that aren't true and then showing them what reality is. And the, the difference between those two things is what we call the magic effect, right? That's, right. that's the potential for, oh, wow, that's amazing. I thought reality was this way when I now know it's that way. Neat. So in the context of a show, that's a fun experience. In the context of a romantic partnership, maybe that's not so fun, right? That's, mm-hmm. that's called lying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and that's why to me, there's a huge ethical line between doing things on stage as a performance versus off stage in kind of normal life and real life human being connection dynamic. Yeah, because you really know how that psychology of influence works where we don't even know we're being influenced and yeah you're you're creating beliefs for them without them even knowing it exactly and and to kind of unfold that a little bit is you the audience are going to believe what you know is real more than you will believe anything I say about what is real. Mm -hmm. So what I do is show you what is apparently real, let you convince yourself it's real. Then there's nobody that could talk you out of believing the wrong thing. I see. Right. If, if I said, Look here, we have a, a, a normal box, just kind of like you have in your own garage. And of course, there's no tiger in here. Everybody be like, wait, that was, a really weird, that was a really weird thing for him to say. Is there a tiger in there? I bet there's a tiger in there. Mm-hmm. But if you just behave as though the box is empty and make no mention of tiger, then everybody's just like, oh, okay, he's showing us a box. Oh, it looks empty. And you don't even, you're not even consciously aware of these processes that are, that are going because they basically start when you're a kid, when you're a child and, and your logical faculties first come online and you are just making connections about how the world works. And that turns you into a chatterbox. Hey, look, mom, that dog is brown. I see a bird. Hey, look, there's clouds out there, right? And, and eventually your parents are just like, oh my God, would you please just, you don't have to tell me every single thing <laughs> that you see, John. Like, just, just give me five minute break. Well, 
that that stream of consciousness about what you are experiencing doesn't go away. It just goes inside. You you just are turning off your speaker for the outside world. It's it's still going on inside and you've been doing it for your whole life. So you're really, really good at it. And you're not even aware of what it is you're telling yourself. Then this shows up in what you believe about yourself, your self-worth, what you're capable of, what your friends think about you based on previous experience when you were a kid. All those scripts are running nonstop 24 seven. I I think they're even going when you're dreaming, even when you're asleep, you're still living out what your awareness believes to be real. Yeah. Because everything's in interpretation. So however you want to interpret reality is, is what you're feeding yourself. Exactly. So, so there's a huge difference between reality and meaning. So mm-hmm. I, I could show you a spreadsheet of numbers. Well, the reality is, here's the numbers. Well, what do they mean? Well, it depends. These really high numbers is great if you're talking about bank account. These really high numbers are awful if you're talking about cholesterol. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what is real isn't necessarily what it means. Right. So meaning is created by every single person within the context of their life in previous experience. That's why two people could go through exactly the same experience and then have separate interpretations of what that experience means. Mm-hmm. And then you you behave in alignment with your beliefs. Here's what's real. Here's what it means. Based on that meaning, I now have to do this. So it's all consistent. It just may not be real. Yeah. And what we interpret things to be and, you know, the meaning we find in it has, has consequences versus reality is just there's kind of no consequence to it. it it's it's really the meaning we create for ourselves um, exactly exactly reality is as it is you bring to the table the meaning right reality is totally neutral right exactly and there's there's a trap that a lot of people get caught in which is to understand that there is no meaning in reality and then spiral out saying, well, nothing means anything. So why am I even, why do I even have friends? Why am I even going to work? Nothing means anything anyway. And then you, you spiral out into nihilism and self-defeating behavior because you're like, well, there's no reason for me to to be a good person anyway, because nothing means anything. And we're all going to die and turn into dust and get eaten by worms. (laughs) Well, okay. That is a way to interpret reality. (laughs) It is, it is not a useful one to, to build a life of meaning worth suffering for, right? Because 
there's going to be pain. There's going to be bad days. It's, it's just that you get to decide what it means for you and you get to choose what values and principles you are willing to suffer for. And that is the seed that your personal meaning grows out of. Exactly. We, we define our own meaning and define through that define our place in, in the world. Exactly. And, and that meaning that you define for yourself, you have very logical reasons to interpret reality the way that you are that are internally consistent with your previous experiences. That, that kind of experiential truth does not negate somebody else's interpretation of reality. Yeah. And what is meaning to them. So you, you can get locked into uh, self-defeating interpretations and I failed. And that means I am a failure. I've always been a failure. I will always be a failure and look at my track record. It makes sense that I'm a failure and I now have reason to believe I will always be a failure. That's not encouraging, man. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's not, again, it makes sense. It's logical. It totally, it makes sense. But to get out of that cycle, you will have to challenge a lifetime's worth of logical thinking. And since you've had decades of practice being down on yourself and being your own worst enemy, it's going to be really, really tough and feel awkward and wrong. And just why am I even trying to think about things differently? This, this is wrong. This nope. It's entirely logical to not do the work. It totally makes sense to not do that incredibly difficult work of reprogramming your value orientation to reality. It's Mm. not easy. It is not easy. When you say value um, Mm -hmm. orientation, what is that? What exactly does that mean? (sighs) (laughs) I'm a mentalist and a performer and a communicator by trade. It has been the thing that I have dedicated my life to since I was five, six years old. I'm now 37 years old. So I've, I've had a while to get good at this thing. By training, my, my education is in art. I have a degree in painting. I love painting portraits. Mm. Art, the, the art that a person creates is an expression of their most fundamental values that they hold dear. So to understand what somebody's value structure is, look at what they create, look at what they make out of their time, and you can understand what it is that is their highest value. Very interesting. Everything everything can be framed in terms of value structures. Uh, A really weird way of, of thinking about it is kind of like gravity doesn't make water go downhill. 
water values downhill more than it values uphill. And therefore, flowing downhill is an expression of its values. I see. So you can take a person, you look at kind of what they've created, and that'll inform you of like who they are deep down, like at their very foundation, their values. Exactly. Because art is the mind and intellect and, and spirit of that person reconfiguring reality in alignment with their most core values. Mm. Their art is an expression of their values. So if people are destroying and tearing down, chaos and destruction is their core value. Celebration of life and beauty. Well, you got to create something then. Right. Huh. That's a really interesting way to kind of look at a person's life. Yeah. And what they've done. Right. Because nobody can live outside the context of their own value structure. Every single thing you do is an expression of what you value in the world. Uh, can we change our value structure? You absolutely can. Absolutely. After your current value structure, creates enough situations that you don't enjoy and then eventually wise up that you're the one creating those situations by virtue of what values you hold dear that guide your decisions that create the context for the consequences of those values to come back. Mm -hmm. That's why you have different people at different times in your life saying exactly the same things to you. Yeah, but at different times, they might mean different things. Right, but also it might be that you have created exactly the same dynamic at different times in your life, which lead that other person to say exactly the same thing as that other person did. Yeah, You you would be the only common denominator between those things. Yeah, I think at some point we realize that it's not everyone else that's out there to do that thing. It's really us creating the situation. Exactly. And that cycle repeats until you become aware of it. And then it continues while you're fully aware of it, but incapable of affecting long-term change because you're out of practice. You don't understand how to do it. Yeah. I guess that that process of change takes time because the external world doesn't immediately reflect those changes. It it has to work itself. Exactly. Exactly. Because the, the life you're living right now is the consequence of the years you spent making decisions. Yeah. And you think that in a fraction of a second, you're going to avoid the life inertia of decades worth of decisions? No. You can decide in a fraction of a second. You can want something in a fraction of a second. However, it will take sustained effort, attention, and focus to affect meaningful long-term change, and it will have a time lapse between action and ability to perceive change. Yes, exactly. Right, because the the actions go into effect as soon as you 
do something. And the more skillful you get at these things, the more sensitive you are to the difference in consequence, the sooner it is you can perceive changes. Mm-hmm. So eventually you, you learn the immediacy of every action because you understand its consequence now without having to wait for it to propagate through time and then be bad. So you know that it will be bad before you do it instead of the weeks or months or years it takes for the consequences to unfold at an amplitude big enough for you to perceive it in the first place. Yeah, I think that really takes an awareness of of time and considering yourself, considering the compound effect of any action in time. So seeing this as, oh, it's not just, you know, one cheeseburger right now, it's not going to do anything. But, you know, one a day over the span of 10 years, just imagine what you would feel like or be like at that point in time and to project yourself into the future. Exactly. Uh, two two points I'd, I'd love to touch on there, which is first, uh, I forget where I heard it, but it's the most perfect thing, which is to say that drinking is stealing happiness from the future. Mm. And I thought that was just such a brilliant way to frame time and consequences. Yeah. Uh, that was that was really, really smart. And the second one escaped me because my mind goes in a million different directions. And that will forever remain a mystery to me and uh, everybody else what that could have been. So imagine it was genius and we'll just say it was that. <laughs> it was, yeah, I, that's totally fine. <laughs> I'm really, really interested in, in knowing how you learned these principles and how you learned magic and mentalism because i can't imagine that magicians are keen on divulging these things or correct me if i'm wrong maybe they are (laughs) (laughs) yeah those those things go hand in hand the the way that i learned uh, i grew up in the mountains of north carolina and there it's it's not really a hotbed of entertainment and it's not really a place where world-class performers hang out. <laughs> so I, I didn't have that many people. And, and I'm old enough to remember my life before the internet. And I, I was fully aware as a human being before YouTube came online. Mm-hmm. So I, I learned magic through books. I, I just read beginning magic books. And every magic book, every beginner's magic book, has here's some card tricks, here's some coin tricks, here's some stuff you could do at home, here's some mind reading stuff, just kind of the the full range of easy to do things. Mm -hmm. So I would would practice and I would show my my family, my mom and dad and had an older brother. He wasn't very interested in being my guinea pig. So it was mainly my parents. And and I would practice, practice, practice. So, So every... Every routine, every effect has its own recipe. And it's, it's, almost, it's almost a recipe for amazement, right? Because it goes, it, it basically has an outline. Here's the effect. Here's the experience that your audience should have for this, for this trick. And then it describes how the trick is supposed to go. 
And then they clap, right? Just, okay, cool. All right, I got it. And then they say, here are the props you need. Gather a deck of cards, a marker, a piece of paper. These are all the physical properties of this effect. All right, cool. I got all that. Neat. Step one, do this. Step two, do that. And it just goes step by step. It says, pick this up, turn it over. Here's what you say at this point. So the script is all there too. Right? So you just follow the recipe. Yeah. Yeah. Like baking. Exactly. So you yeah. bake, you, you bake their minds, right? <laughs> that's, that's really it. Yeah? yeah. So then you go practice on your parents. And then you, you do what the book tells you to do. You say what the book tells you to say. And then your parents go, that was nice. But I, you flashed the, the thing you were hiding in your hand. So I, I saw it happen. And you're like, oh, man, what? How, why didn't the trick work? I did, I did everything. Well, you didn't do it the right way, Jonathan. Oh, okay. So then you learn you have to say the right things, do the right things at the right time, in the right sequence, the right way. Yeah. Oh, wow. There's a lot that goes into this. Okay, cool. So you just practice, practice, and get better at it, get better at it until your parents start looking at you weird and wondering if uh, you still see yourself in the mirror, right, Jonathan? Like, Because this is it's really weird stuff you're, you're learning to do. All right, cool. So that's, that's kind of how you get to to perform and and do magic tricks it is the most effective training for communication skills because again you are trying to communicate a perfect falsehood yeah right so the the way i like to think about it is a magic trick is like the most believable painting of something that doesn't exist Mm, yeah right? i see so if if you can paint photorealistic imagination the only way you get there is to really 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 study reality and understand how light works how shadows work how color works how transitions between shadows and light work how mm shapes and blocking and rendering and perspective every single angle about reality you have to understand it and then cultivate the skills to represent perfect reality only then can you communicate a perfect imagination mm. mm-hmm. magic's like the three-dimensional form it takes those skills to communicate the illusion that you're creating. Right, right. So most people think they're really good communicators because they can talk a lot. Mm. But only when you understand how difficult a magic trick is, even how simple it is, you really appreciate how difficult communication is. Yeah, communicating is mostly body language, not, not so much words. And it's Right. Yeah, words almost, it's like 7% of communication. Right, because communication is context. Mm. And it is time of day. It's location, geography, weather, mood, attitude, relation, like pre-existing relationship and context. Uh, mm. there, there is 
there are so many dimensions at play simultaneously that create this bounded context called a conversation. Yes. And all these variables, like in an act, in magic, you want to control the, the important variables and then very deliberately craft a scene, basically. Yes. It's very theatrical. Yes. It, it is exceedingly theatrical. And, and I have beef with improv. i I really do i i live in chicago it's a huge part of what makes chicago chicago Mm -hmm. and i hate it (laughs) (laughs) you hate it i i do because improv is is synthesizing in the moment to create an experience that the audience can appreciate Mm -hmm. all right cool and they're using suggestions from the audience all right neat Now, you're on stage with people that practice this all the time. You, at varying skill levels, but, you know, you're all in this together to make a successful experience. All right. Now think about magic. (laughs) You are bringing strangers on stage with you with no clue what it is that they're going to say or do. You're going to give them instructions And hope you can do it in a way that they'll understand what it is you need them to do and be able to perform it at a, at a level that's competent. Right. Right. So not only are you dealing with a random word from the audience, you're dealing with the audience. Hmm. And now with that person on stage, look them dead in the eye and lie to them. And do stuff that they aren't supposed to see while they're two feet away from you. Yeah. All while making it look like you're just making the stuff up off the cuff. Yeah. Yeah. But it's really very deliberate. It is. It is extraordinarily deliberate. And I love meeting people and and getting to be friends and then having them come see a show and then they see the show, they, they'll come to the seven o'clock show, then they'll see the nine o'clock show, and then we're hanging out afterwards, and they're like, oh my God. Okay, so at seven o'clock, I was like, wow, he's so witty and quick on his feet, and wow, how did he come back with that so fast? He's, he's just so smart. And then in the nine o'clock show, a different spectator was saying exactly the same things to set you up for that same joke in both of them. You're like, yeah, I get them to do it. And they're like, wait, what? <laughs> like, people are predictable, man. It, it's, it's, it's that I've been in that situation a thousand times. And I've seen the five archetypal responses that are possible. Mm. And by the fifth time, I have witty repartee for each of them. It seems like off the cuff, but it's really like, okay, there's only five things that, five paths that could possibly happen here. So right. you're prepared. Right. Yeah. It's just a big old flow chart. It's yep. just a big old flow chart and not falling into the trap of being too bored with it. 
Oh, mm. every time it's the same five things. I wish somebody <laughs> would say something new at least once, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, then that that's a you problem, right? The, mm. And and a lot of performers demand that the audience entertain them, and oh, wow. right. So the performers are getting bored with what they're doing and then are using the audience to entertain themselves and to feel something new. Mm. That's not, that's not the way it goes, man. Like <laughs> you picked the job, you picked the job. Your job is to craft this experience, carefully orchestrate it and manage it from beginning to end to a successful conclusion. Mm. That's the agreement of the performer and the audience. That's why there's one performer on stage and a thousand people in the audience. Your job is to manage a thousand experiences. Your job. Don't rely on the audience to do your job for you. Like don't, you'll, the audience will wind up resenting you. What do you think it says about people that, you know, there's only five possible responses, you know, in one situation or, or, you know, 10 or, you know, mm -hmm. it's never like literally everyone has a different, like a thousand different ones. It's like, it comes down to five. Right, right. The, the details are always different. The details are always different. The pattern is always the same. And, and to me, it is remarkably beautiful that magic can even be possible in the first place. Right. So this is kind of touching on the, the second piece of how I learned magic tricks, which is the first phase is getting your sea legs, getting used to it, and then being able to perform this trick. And you can go your entire life learning tricks and performing them. And that's awesome. Then what's really going to bake your noodle is to think about why magic is even possible in the first place. Mm -hmm. Human beings are all wired in exactly the same poor way. <laughs> There's magic shouldn't be possible, man. Like we should be able to accurately experience reality and mm -hmm. have an accurate understanding of what's going on. That would be cool, but we don't. <laughs> we really don't. And every single human being is operating off the same broken software, right? Mm -hmm. we, we got unreliable hardware. And based on that tech stack of, of saline and meat, right? we're, just, <laughs> we're just saltwater filled meat bags, right? <laughs> based on that's the hardware that we have to operate with. Well, then our operating system is doing a really good job with the limitations of this thing we call a body. So together, our software, our human programming, as expressed through our decision-making and everything, is just so wacky. It is just so, so wrong, so much, right? And, and optical illusions are a great peek into how we misperceive reality and make assumptions based on our senses that we're not even conscious of. So it's at a physiological level that unfolds and expresses in this thing we call a mind, which is actually 
a dynamic expression of base layer physics. Um, like we don't have a mind. We, we aren't a mind. The mind is the expression of the physical body. Mm, there, there's no separation. It's like, it would be like saying there could be a punch without a fist or an arm. Mm-hmm. You can't separate them. There's no difference. One is the other in motion. That's all it is. Yeah. Right? So our mind is the dynamic unfolding of physical processes and relationship with your environment, not a separation from anything. Right? You aren't separated from the universe. You've grown from the universe. The, the way that a tree grows from the ground and a leaf grows from the branch, the leaf didn't come from somewhere else and then get stuck onto the, onto the tree, right? It's like you, you were grown as a human being and, and were birthed into this world from elements of the universe that were already here. Right, right. So there's zero separation in this universe. There can't be any separation because then where did you come from that wasn't of this universe? That's impossible. Yeah, it also points to just how connected we are to everything, even if we don't know it, because most of the time we don't. Right. You think you're disconnected from the consequences of your actions. You think there's no consequence to this. It's just that you are operating under the illusion of separateness. Mm-hmm. But everything has a consequence. Right. Whether or not we want to believe that. Right. And the state of the universe as it is in this moment is a consequence of a function of every single thing that has happened since forever. Right. I know. So, it's- it's actually yeah. really like awe-inspiring to think it, about that. It really is. It really is. And and that weirdly is why lying doesn't work. Yeah. Because what you're trying to do is to devote energy to a reality that would have to be different from the beginning of the universe. There's no way that you're going to create enough momentum to overcome the inertia of the universe. So what you're trying to do is create this distortion bubble of an impossibility because a lie is that which is not reality, right? Mm -hmm. So you're trying to devote your creative energies to maintaining this thing that cannot be because it's not real. Yeah, it's, it's not aligned with what is. So right. how could that right. survive? Yeah. Exactly. So you, in your consulting work, you mm-hmm. help high performers deal with high-pressure situations and, yeah. and really uncover their motivation. Yeah. Describe what that looks like and maybe an example, if you can. Part of it, really, it very plainly, I help them not talk themselves out of success. Yeah, like self-doubt. Right. And again, the reasons not to do something, the reasons not to succeed or achieve or pursue your goal, all make sense. They're all logical. 
but they're all made up. They're all made up just as the reason to succeed is made up. Mm-hmm. It's all equally made up. Yeah. So, so the reasons you have to doubt yourself are exactly the reasons you have to believe in yourself. And most people aren't aware of how they're doubting themselves and they are unaware of the narratives they're using to disempower their ability to achieve and create. And Mm. since within that framework, that disempowering belief is the most logical one, they don't see any other reasonable way out. So it, so it takes somebody outside that context to challenge and essentially disprove those logical reasons why they shouldn't. Okay. You're right. Because they are in their own bubble of their mind. Right. Yes. And within that framework to not achieve makes sense is totally reasonable. I see. So what exactly do you do to, kind of get them thinking a different way. Think of this kind of like, like martial arts. And if somebody goes, okay, what do I do? Like, I, I don't know. Like, what, what are you talking about? Like, what's happening? Like, okay, uh, a guy's like coming at me with the baseball bat. Like, okay, is it dark? Is there an app, right? The, the real answer is it depends. <laughs> the principles never change but the techniques are infinite. So in the moment, you just come up with the best way to destroy that negative belief. Mm. And replace it. Right, right. Because you can't just not have beliefs. You do. It's that you can swap them out for, for more useful beliefs depending on your current value structure and what you're trying to achieve. Yeah. And one of the tools is imagination, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because your, your mind is the only thing that causes things in the universe. Yeah. Everything else is a consequence. The only cause of anything is mind and imagination. So imagining things, like using the mind, is the way to do anything, really. It's the only way. Yeah. It is literally true that it's the only way anything different can ever happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to hear your thoughts on motivation. I hate it. (laughs) I knew you were going to say something, you know, a bit out there. (laughs) What about it? (laughs) I, I have a totally reasonable, rational hatred for motivational speakers. Uh, <laughs> okay. Because why do most people think they want motivation? Well, they, they want motivation because they want to achieve something. Mm, or okay. feel better. Yeah. Right, right. And that is an achievement. I feel bad. I now want a different reality than the one I'm in currently. So now you are in two outcomes. What's your outcome? How are you now? How do you want to be? And what's the distance between those two? 
-hmm. Now you're in the realm of strategy. How am I going to get from point A to point B or point Z? It doesn't matter, right? I'm not where I want to be. I know where I want to be, but I, I'm not sure how I'm going to get there. So now you've got lots of strategies. You could read your horoscope and that's your best strategy. You could uh, talk to your friends about what you think you should do. That's a strategy. You could talk to your family. That's a strategy. You could believe that your cat has the answer and depending on the number of times she meows, that means you should do this. That's a strategy. Not a good one, but it's still a way that you could devise your plan about how to achieve this outcome. Mm -hmm. Motivation, most people are using motivation as a strategy to achieve an outcome. Mm, I see. But you're saying it doesn't work as a strategy. Correct. Motivation is a consequence of achieving the outcome that you desire. Oh, so you're saying it's actually the effect, not the cause. Exactly. So every single motivational speaker is out there peddling the consequence and not the cause. Right. And they're being paid money to teach people how to achieve outcomes. And all they're doing is selling consequence, not cause. Yeah. Yeah, I see. Well, what is your take on helping people make a living doing what they love, you know, dream bigger, create a life they want, fulfill their potential? To help them understand reality mm -hmm. and then show them the quickest direction to the life they want to live. But first, they have to get over a huge hurdle which is what does success look like to you? Yeah. And I, I have never really been burdened with, <laughs> with not knowing. <laughs> it's, it's super weird. I don't know why that is. It just is. Well, what is your idea of success? To have control of my time and who I spend it with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So whatever aligns with that, it makes sense for you. Right. Because I don't, like having anybody else having the ability to tell me where to be, what to do, or who I need to be around. Yeah. That's like, it's a freedom really. Right. And, and it's not a freedom to do what I want to do so much as it is a freedom from doing what I don't want to do. Are you saying that you're, it matters more that you're not being told what to do more than that you're telling yourself? Correct. Okay. Correct. Okay. Because if, if I can't say no, it's not a choice anymore. It's coercion. Yeah. You want choices. Yeah. Right. I want the ability to say no. If I can't say no to you, or I can't say no to the government, if I can't say no about my boundaries, that is a fundamental violation of consent. Well, back to the motivation as a strategy piece. Yeah. What is a better strategy than motivation? Discipline. I don't care how you feel about things right now. 
what do you need to do to create the consequences that you want? My best work is when I sit down and work, not when I feel like working. And so the way to do that is to remind yourself of the consequence you want and just say, hey, this is, this is just part of getting there. There's right. no avoiding it. And that's why one of my pithy uh, bumper sticker sound bites is motivation doesn't get you results. Results get you motivated. Yeah. Do what is required to achieve the results you're looking for, and that will then motivate you to continue doing it. Mm-hmm. But if you just sit around waiting to feel motivated, <laughs> good luck. You are going to lose to the person who shows up no matter how they feel about it and do the work. I've never heard motivation framed in that way as being, being a consequence. Thank you. That, see, those <laughs> are the magic words to me. I've never thought of it like that. I love that means that you now have opened up a world of options for yourself because you now can imagine the world being a different place than you did two minutes ago. Knowing that and then connecting the dots in terms of like how I am or what I'm doing. Right. It's like, oh my God, like who knew that just these few words could mean <laughs> so much, right? Yeah, it, 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 it's, it's wonderful and empowering and yeah, but then you think about it and then you realize you're fully responsible for all the awful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now it's terrifying and, and horrific. And oh my God, I don't know if I have enough time left in, in my life to, to just rectify all the, the, the chaos I've created already. Oh my God. Yeah. 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 It really is like that. Because when we are 100% <laughs> like empowered and responsible for ourselves, it's like, whoa. Like life is different now and will forever be different. And like, what was I doing before? I don't even know. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. There's no other way of saying power than responsibility. That's it. If you, if you give up responsibility, you're now giving up your power to make a difference. Yeah. That's ultimately what we can do is, is be responsible for ourselves and, and what we do every day. Exactly. And how we think. Yeah. Right. And the more intentional you are about all of that, the better time you'll have cultivating the skills of more adept control over your time, mind, energy, spirit, creative power, everything. Yeah. Well, Jonathan, thank you so much for this amazing conversation. I had no idea it would go to these like philosophical realms, which very, very <laughs> enjoyable. And I think that these things, these topics apply to everyone and they are very, very powerful if, if you want them to be. So thank you. Thank you. You're, you're very welcome. And thank you for giving me the opportunity to, to share my wacky thoughts with, with you, with the, the world and everybody that they're gonna share it with. It, it's truly an honor and a privilege. 